You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And today I have a special guest who's actually a very good friend of mine by the name of Zed Williamson. Now, Zed is a very successful uh, broadcast media entrepreneur. And um, I know this for a fact because I use his services in uh, multiple businesses that I have of my own. And um, Zen and I come from very different backgrounds uh, to the extent of, you know, how we approached the world as, as young people in school, etc. And I think it's an important um, lesson because now he and I are very, very similar, far more similar in our thinking and the way we see the world than I have with, say, you know, other surgeons. I'm a surgeon, so, you know, I see the world very differently from most surgeons. I see it a lot more like Zed. So, Zed, welcome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, and I would like to think of uh, you as a co-host here rather than an interview, because I suspect you'll probably be on more than than just today, but... um, why don't you just get started? Tell tell everyone a little bit about you know you where you started and you know what you're doing and you know how do you get how did you get to that point? Sure. Well, uh, you had mentioned that we we kind of come from different uh, places in regards to how we grew up through education. Um, so I'm the story of the kid who kind of and eh, maybe cheated a little bit to get through high school. Um, was interested to get out and start working quick because uh, I didn't want to go into debt. Um, didn't you know? I'm not one of those uh, completed college people. I saw life as an opportunity that I wanted to attack pretty quick, and I had this this mindset of if I really perform in business uh, for somebody, then it's not going to matter what my education was. If I really perform in business for somebody. Um, I can climb the ranks and, you know, get to the top of, of the corporate world, which at the time is, is what I thought I wanted to do. Um, I headed into that direction, starting in the broadcast media world uh, in radio, and went from one position to the other, uh, moved around the country a bit, uh, get, kept getting raises and being in charge of more things, decided it was important to learn a lot, so I actually got addicted to reading about behaviors and understanding why people do things and I I hit a a ceiling or a wall and it was this this feeling was comfort and then also uncomfort because of the comfort and maybe that sounds strange but I was making a good salary it was a solid position in in a huge media organization and I just felt like I could not affect the world anymore. And that's when I decided, you know what, it's time to to take things into my own destiny and be in control and made the jump into uh, starting a business and we grew it from there. Uh, just so people have an idea of what we specifically do, the biggest um, negative that I saw in the broadcast media world is that there was no accountability to outcome. Everybody brags about how amazing their audiences are, uh, but no one actually really cares if there's a result. And we define a result as something you deposit into a bank account. 
And so we created a business that focuses on the psychology behind decision-making, and that is what our broadcast messaging does. It causes people to take action. And then we also realized that businesses were not very well set up to take incoming calls and convert those calls into potential revenue. So we also have an appointment setting call center uh, where the operators are trained in the same psychology, understanding personality profiles and communication profiles so that we can take it from someone spending money on media through putting them into their business and hopefully converting it to revenue. Let me ask you this now. um, So you grew up in Silicon Valley, right? Correct. And as I recall, you know, neither one of your parents are entrepreneurs per se, right? Right. My uh, my father worked in Silicon Valley. He's an electrical engineer. Um, he owns his own business now, uh, still working pretty late into his life. Um, but you can't really say that it's um, a systemized business. It's you know kind of a a business that is his job. When you were growing up, did he uh, was he an employee or was did did he always sort of own his own business? Um, yeah, this is actually something that um, has uh, guided a lot of who I am in regards to being in business now. But um, when I was in high school, my father was laid off um, from a what he thought was a, lo- a reliable job in Silicon Valley. He was very talented and, uh, you know, hurt his feelings a bit. So he decided to go into business for himself. And I got to experience, you know, what that stress was like. And he saw what he was worried about is he was supporting the family on his own and it really pointed out how important it is um you know for to to have success in business and he trusted people um some people he shouldn't have trusted and it really basically gave me structure as to who i am in business today what i expect from people who say they're going to achieve something and and kind of built the uh the framework for how much we care about accountability to outcomes you know, I think it's sort of ironic, actually, because, you know, I, I've talked about it before. My my dad, uh, my dad is still an entrepreneur, right? So he's been in, he came into this country in the late 60s before I was born and uh, with an engineering degree, started out working as an engineer and then ultimately, um, really quickly, actually, I should say ultimately, but within a couple of years of getting here, uh, just realized, gosh, I can make a bunch of money off of real estate instead. So he was actually starting to take some of his issued school loan debt and putting it into investment properties. So of course, obviously that's very illegal and and, uh, maybe it wasn't back then, who knows, but that's what he did. So he was scrappy from day one. And I think it was sort of an immigrant mentality or whatever. But when I was growing up, it was very different, right? Because I had a dad who was an entrepreneur and he was always making a lot of money. And ironically, that didn't affect me the way that you would think it would be, which is that it didn't drive me to be an entrepreneur. In fact, it drove me to be a lazy private school kid, right? So I had all the money I wanted in the world, you know, in terms of stuff that any, you know, kid wants. And I had a car and, you know, and I got good grades. You know, that's really all they really expected of me. And I think that's partially cultural, Asian culture uh, in general, Um and the, the interesting thing was that for me, I never even thought about entrepreneurship. And I think it's kind of interesting that I didn't see it because my father is an entrepreneur and you saw it because your father was not an entrepreneur. You experienced yeah, the pain of it, of being an employee. And suddenly, 
after years and years of your father putting in this time, suddenly he was laid off. How can that happen, right? Wasn't that supposed to be a secure job? So you witnessed that, and that's not something that I ever witnessed. So I think it's incredibly ironic how those uh, the family backgrounds ended up being very, very much different from you know how we saw the world. Absolutely, and you, I think that that's that's something that is, um, you know, I actually think about as a as a father now. I have two boys, um, twelve and eight, and I think to myself, you know, gosh, I hope. We're not doing anything, you know, because what the the life that they're experiencing is completely different than the one that I experienced, and I actually get worried about that. You go, gosh, you know, if I was like that, would would I be scrappy? You know, would I just make stuff happen, or would I kind of sit back and ah, it'll work out? So it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's something that you know, one of two things: either you experience it, or as parents, potentially, you, you try to inculcate that into your children as you're growing up. I have the same uh, concerns about, I have three little girls, as you know, um, seven, three, and one. They're pretty little right now, so I'm not too worried yet. But, you know, they're, they are going to be in a similar situation as, as I was. Um, and actually, you know, sort of my situation on steroids uh, a little bit uh, in that they're not going to have a lot of uh, concerns. You know, I have this story about uh my oldest daughter she what was it a couple years ago she was five years old or maybe she was four and it was one of the first years we went trick-or-treating and she had one of those um she had one of those uh little collection things for what is it what is what are those little collection boxes that you do for halloween oh right yeah 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 anyway you're supposed to collect money for for the poor right and that's the idea behind it and um and so Camilla, uh, who was this sweet little, you know, four or five-year-old at the time, she takes this box, and she's very adamant that she's supposed to do something with it because they told her to at her little school. And they, she says, uh, Daddy, I have to bring this because I'm supposed to get money from the poor. <laughs> <laughs> so she has no idea what she's talking about. She doesn't have any idea what a poor person is. She doesn't have any idea... You know, there's no clue, poor little thing. But I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's all something that she's older will will make a concerted effort to make sure that she understands, you know, all these things. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, it it does have a lot to uh, do with uh, how you grow up. But so one of the things you mentioned though is that you got to this point because I think you know a lot of our listeners, our listeners are they're hardworking, high earning W two wage earners, which sounds like that's pretty much what you were, correct? Correct. Yes, what? and I was surrounded by them as well. The uh, and that's where, you know, there was this click that happened when I when I realized I reached a point, and when I looked around at my, you know, imagine the air quote air quotes uh, peers, that I didn't feel like I was like them at all, um, because they were not concerned with with driving success or driving forward, their concern was staying comfortable. What do you think was different about you? And when, when you say, you know, you were talking about before when you said, well, you know, I saw the world, um, I think you said something like there was, you weren't contributing enough to the world or what was that? I'm, I'm, I'm curious, was it just an internal thing where you were saying, Hey, you know, I can do a lot more than this. What was it that triggered you to do it? Um, yeah, I know. Leadership. Yeah. Well, yeah. Leadership 
did not care that things could be done better. And let's define better as uh, generate more revenue for the organization and generate more revenue for its clients. And that was something that I just did not understand. If, you know, you as a surgeon, if someone has an ailment and you could learn a way to do a different surgery that would create a different outcome, you know, imagine just completely ignoring it. You know, it just, it, it drove my mind insane. They were just happy kind of sitting on their laurels and, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, we don't need to rock the boat. Um, no one really expects it to be better. You know, we just, we kind of like it the way it is. Well, okay, so tell me about that because, um, you know, obviously, you know, the whole idea be- behind you know, trying to do things better, you know, that's probably something that a lot of people feel when they're, you know, employed, whether they're, you know, frankly, when they're physicians as well, I can tell you that, you know, you see, you know, especially these days, um, the way medicine is run, you look at it and you're like, what, you know, this doesn't make any sense. But, but that's, but that's one thing. And then taking the leap, because there's something internal that happens. Sure. Take that leap. Um, and what, yeah. tell me about that whole experience, because that's not an easy experience going from a high-paid job to taking the leap into entrepreneurship. Tell me about that. Yes, a lot of it is um, what I refer to as, you know, life, let's say life is a marathon. If you don't pay attention to yourself, you'll catch, you, you'll, you'll live your life staring at your feet. And as anyone would imagine, you're not going to be a very effective racer if you're staring where your feet land. And it, it, that's that's kind of the easiest way for me to describe what I was surrounded by. And I just, there was a day where I kind of just lifted my chin a bit and saw that there was the potential for better outside. Now, of course, there's the high potential for significant pain uh, because you you put a lot of things at risk. And, you know, I, have, I, had, a great, I had a great support system in my family. The, you know, my wife was okay with us kind of let's reel all of our spending back let's lower our the money we spend you know every month hey let's let's not spend money on the things that we're normally used to doing uh, let's just take it easy while we build this and it's because it got to the point where the pain of existing inside a group of people staring at their feet was much higher than the potential pain of failing going out um, and the idea was, I've always used a, uh, a trick for decision making for myself, um, and it's because we have pretty good hindsight. You know, everyone always says, "Well, hindsight's twenty twenty," um, but what our brain is also pretty good at is pretending we're in the future. Uh, so what I've always done is, all right, let me think. So five years from now, if I look back at today, what will I think about the decision of leaving this comfortable job and going out on my own, or? How would I look at a decision of knowing I want to do it, but eh, I decide not to? And it's pretty easy to have the 2020 hindsight to go, well, shoot, I'd probably regret it if I don't give it a shot. I think a lot of times that's the the reason we don't make decisions like that is we are too busy staring at our feet. So, you know, it's interesting because um, one of the things that I one of the things that I always think about is that there is a a myth out there. In, in the working world. The myth is of a, of the safe, comfortable job, right? As Absolutely. a business owner, 
so I have about 60 employees. How many employees? You, you probably have, you know, at least 10, 20 employees, right? Um, yep. Tell me, tell me in hindsight now, what does it mean to have a safe, comfortable job? What I mean by that is, what I'm asking you is, is there such thing as a safe, comfortable job? There isn't. And that's, I think, um, I always refer to it as the decision to, to control your own destiny. And what comes with that is accountability. You know, you, you don't get to blame anyone else. You don't get to blame a company that lays you off. You can't blame the market. You can't blame anything when you decide to take the reins and say, I'm in control, then the accountability is to you. And to me, you know, there's, there's people who find that limiting and there's people who find that, um, the complete opposite. And that's, that's where I found myself that the limiting idea was someone else having an impact on my destiny. You know, in my mind, I was like, screw that. I'm, I'm taking the reins. I may crash. I may, I may, you know, go off a cliff, but at least it was me that put me there, not the scenario. And I, I don't think that there's a safe because the problem with safe is safe breeds sloth. Um, because there's this definition that comes into play in life where, Hey, you know what? I'm comfortable. People are comfortable. Now your risk taking goes away. The things that you did to get where you are are probably things you wouldn't do again. And it's because that safety has, has limited your success. It's, you know, it's, imagine someone who's afraid to fly the, the first day that they experience that fear, it's at a certain level. Well, if you wait 10 years and you never fly, the fear is huge now. There's nothing, nothing different between the flight one year and 10 years later. And I think that's what happens when people have, quote unquote, succeeded and are comfortable is it, it becomes a bigger gap to achieve. My biggest problem with the notion of safe and comfortable is, again, I, as an employer, as somebody who owns multiple businesses and who employs a lot of people, I know for a fact that there is no such thing as safe and comfortable. And the reason is that there is a veil of there is a veil between an employee and corporate and management. And between them there is something called a balance sheet. There is something called a profit and loss uh, statement. These are things that businesses have and employees never know about them. They, for the most part, you know, unless you're, you know, in a publicly traded company and there's some concerns about stock, et cetera, there is no way to know whether a company's healthy or not. So you may think you're doing the safe thing. You may think that you are, you know, you're in a comfortable job, you're doing the right thing. But I have news for you. There's no such thing as safe because the only person who knows or the only people who know how safe your job are the people who own your business because they know the finances of the company. And that's a, it's, a, it's a, such an important point. I can't stress it enough because uh, let me give you an example because, of course, as doctors, our doctors always think we're you know totally safe. <clears throat> 
you know, we're employed, we're always employable. Well, there's some, some truth to that. There's always sick people. It helps and, and so on and so forth. But so I, as you know, Zed, I've got a lot of back problems, right? So I've, I've been getting, um, you know, I've been getting these injections, uh, these epidural injections in my back from this guy who's really, really good. Okay. And he was recommended uh, to me by a fellow uh, surgeon who was actually a neurosurgeon who trusted him enough that he had him do his, uh, his injection. The guy's really good. He's really young. Okay. So this is, uh, and I was going to see him and he had just, um, he was fairly young. I probably figure he's probably, you know, maybe two, three years out of uh, training, but well, who cares? He's good. And he made me feel a lot better on several, uh, several times, and I was ready to go back. So we were on a uh, uh, pretty good, you know, relationship basis, physician to physician. I was, you know, basically texting back and forth with the guy, and I was ready for another injection. Um, I had my, my uh, assistant call over there, and they said, well, no, he doesn't work here anymore. So when I texted him, he said, no, they, uh, they laid me off. So I called the guy up. I was like, well, what the heck happened? And he said, well, did you ever hear about those, uh, you know, those nightmare stories about, you know, signing your first co contract is uh, after after training? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, that's what happened to me. They, you know, my, my uh, contract came up and it was July when all the new graduates of, you know, these fellowships, you know, were ready to or were, were ready to get new jobs. And my contract was up and uh, my employer came to me and said, sorry, you're going to have to leave. And uh, by the way, the bonus that's in your contract, you didn't read it close enough. We don't have to give it to you. Okay. Wow. So another example is my brother, who's, you know, a brilliant guy. And during 2000, uh, 2008, uh, 2007, 2008 meltdown, basically he got laid off and he was one of the, you know, big, you know, big wigs at uh, JP Morgan Chase Manhattan doing huge leverage buyout deals he thought and can you know continues to be of the mindset that he's in the safe you know safe field he works for somebody in fact now he works now he's uh works uh, as the chief uh, investment officer of a major middle eastern country and he still feels the same way he's brilliant but i uh, him and i have this fundamental difference in our belief in what is safe and i don't believe that anybody's safe unless they have full disclosure. And what I mean by that is you can look at your own profit loss. You can look at the balance sheets. You understand how healthy, you know, the thing is that's putting money in your pocket. And there's very few, very few people who really understand that concept. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, even, and, you know, imagine a scenario where you have a very high wage earner who maybe does have some insight, you still don't control the reins enough. You know, so imagine the person who, who does get to see the balance sheet and the P&Ls and they do feel safe. You've still, you've hit a ceiling. And I'm, I'm not saying everybody go start a business. It's start a business month. But, you know, this may be a time where if you ask yourself five years from now, if I look back on today and I come across a way to take some kind of control of my own destiny, would I regret not trying it? And I think that's a, a big opportunity for 
a large amount of people. Not everybody should start a business. Yeah, I agree period. with that. I, I, I agree with that to a certain extent. I mean, I think um, starting a business is one thing. Participating in a business is another. And I think starting a business, which is something that um, I feel comfortable with and, um, you know, a number of a, a number of people feel comfortable with, is, is not for everybody, particularly if, you know, you've got, you know, your kids are a little older, you're trying to figure out your college situation, so on and so forth. But there's plenty of happy mediums I think people completely ignore. I mean, most people are uh, who are high wage earners, they end up, uh, you know, they make more money than they than they consume. And, and so what do you do with the extra money? Well, for some reason, we seem to think that these, you know, wealth management people know more than us, when in reality, you know, a lot of them have taken like a three or four month course as certified financial planners. And they're basically paid basically, you know, with fees from your uh, from your investment. I'm not trying to knock anybody. I'm just telling the truth. Okay, that's just the reality. Most people who are high wage earners, very smart professionals, are very, very capable of understanding, you know, some basic things about, you know, what they can invest in. And I think Wall Street tries very hard to make everything look incredibly complex. Okay, that's why we stay away from Wall Street. But there's plenty of people doing things that you can invest in or as I've talked about before you know one of the things that I like to you know one of my favorite topics is real estate you know real estate is uh, you don't want to start a business well you can buy a business you can buy you know you can buy uh, you can buy a house to start you know and rent it out well that's a business you know you have a uh, money coming in money going out and whatever's left is profit that's a business right you do that enough times and you might start seeing that this quote-unquote passive money that comes through starts getting, you know, started, starts taking a higher percentage of, you know, in your employment salary. And that's called, that can be called retirement. I think the, the, the sense that the, the, the problem with the way people think who are, you know, making a lot of money is that they, they, they have this idea that they just keep throwing their money into some kind of, you know, magical, uh, magnifying uh, nest. And, you know, okay. at the end of 20 or 30 years, it ends up being this big mon- bunch of money and, you know, and they have to live off that the rest of their life. That, to me, sounds incredibly dangerous, especially if you consider the massive corrections in the stock market in the last, you know, 20 years, uh, where we're talking about corrections of, you know, 40, 40%, uh, 30%, etc. Uh, it's, it's insane. So you can start looking at, you know, different ways, whether that's investing on your own into apartment buildings, you can look at, you know, if you're looking at investing with others and being a quote unquote limited partner and getting, creating multiple streams of income. Um, that is, um, you know, that's the, uh, in my view is more of the safe way of doing things. And the other thing is you'll have a very clear idea when you can quote unquote retire if you desire to do so. I don't uh, as a physician, I can tell you there's a high correlation be re- between retirement and death. <laughs> so I don't recommend <laughs> it. Try to do things, uh, you know, that you enjoy for a long period of time. Um, but it, but if you know that you've got cash flow coming in on a daily basis, and at some point you keep putting money into this stuff and your cash flow 
gets to the point where, you know, you don't need to work anymore. That's when you know you can retire and you know you're not going to run out. That's a very different way of looking at retirement than most people do. And I think, you know, what you're doing, what I'm doing is you're right. It's not for everybody, but it's probably for more people than you'd think. And I think especially when people, you know, get back to the basics and think, am I really safe? Why do I think I'm safe? Would I be would I be safer if I just went and, you know, started doing stuff on my own and slowly tried to like start something up on the side? I certainly have enough money to give it a shot. I mean, right. why is that not why is that not safe? You know, people people worry so much about losing money in businesses, but then when they lose 50% of the retirement when the stock market falls, uh, you know, because the banks were over leveraged, you know, it's say la vie. Right. Well, yeah. that's just it's life. A surprise and oh man, bad timing. Right. So I agree. I think uh, I think the opportunity for people to project themselves into the future and look back and you know, do you five years from now do you wish that you stay with the perception of comfort and you know move in the same path, or five years from now do you say to yourself, gosh, I wish. I wish I had looked at something. I wish I had tried something. So what's your next steps, right? So let, let's just take your steps where, you know, obviously you've gotten yourself where you, you know, you've got a successful business. You know, we talked in one of the previous episodes, we talked about, um, you know, the different, you know, Kiyosaki squadron, right? We right. talked about, you know, you're obviously not a, you know, a W anymore. I'm not a W. Where do you think of yourself? Like what percentage are you in your own career and with what you have? What what percentage of of the rest of the quadrants when the rest of the quadrants are self-employed, business owner and investor? You know, right now I'm still, you know, if I want to be completely frank, I'm going to be a mix between business owner and self-employed because the focus of our company right now is removing me from it. It has to exist and succeed, you know, without me. And that's when I, I truly become a business owner. Otherwise, if it if it's completely reliant on me, then you don't really own a business; you own a job. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and we, you know, that's one of the things we talked about. So you know, there's there's no uh, there's no shame in, in saying that. And that, you know, if you're at least at the S point, it's a lot easier to go from S to B than it is to go from W to B. Um, and, you know, if you're an ass already, if you're self-employed, that's something to seriously think about. There's two things to think about there. One is, as Zed talked about, you know, you've got, um, you know, you're still exchanging time for money. If you don't, if you're not there, you don't make money. Well, that's a problem, right? So that's one thing. Um, and the second thing is that the goal of being a business owner is to own an asset. And for a couple of reasons, obviously, if you own an asset, the idea is that you're not necessarily exchanging your time for money. And that makes that business, therefore, an unlimited source of money because, you know, you don't you're not limited by your own time. The other thing is, and I'm sure you've thought about this, is that once you get to that point where you are not required for your business, you can um you can sell that business. And if you try to sell that a business when you're required for the business, you'll get pennies on the dollar. But if you try to sell that business when you're not required, you're gonna get some kind of multiple. You might get five, six, or in broadcast media, didn't you say it was something kind of ridiculous uh, in in terms of multiples? 
So you could end up, you know, your profits could end up being, you know, in the medical field, if you have a business like that, the multiples can be, you know, upwards to 10. So if you're making, you know, if your business is making a million dollars, you might be able to sell for 10 million. You're making $2 million, you might be able to sell for 20 million. So these are things that, you know, are are not on the mind of a lot of people that I think if they do, they realize that, hey, maybe it's not so hard. And it's really possible to do that in many, many fields if you're self-employed, if you're a physician, you know, take that sign off the door that says Dr. Smith, give yourself a brand name, hire some doctors, you know, you might end up making a little bit less money initially, but you'll probably end up making more over the long term. Uh, depending on what you do, you might want to contact um, Zed, you know, with, uh, uh, what is it, Zed at trackableleadgeneration.com and see right. if, you know, broadcast media is something that could scale your business or if internet marketing or something could scale your business and make it easier for you to convert your S business into a B business. And, um, you know, the goal of this is for everybody you know, listen, we're not trying to, you know, we're really not focusing on people who are not making much money to start here, right? You know, we're not trying to make, um, uh, create rags to riches. What we're trying to do is do, you know, rich to wealthy. And and that's, it's a very different thing. Um, well, and it takes a, it takes a, a small mindset shift that we're not talking 180 degree, you know, everybody open a cookie store. It's, you just have to lift your chin a little bit and maybe look four degrees to the left. It's that close, and that's what people, I think, don't realize. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing to remember for everybody who's concerned about taking that big risk, uh, beyond what I said about, you know, the fact that, you know, if you think you're comfortable and safe, you're wrong because you don't know. You might be. Who knows? If you're working your tail off right now, and working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week or whatever, and you're doing that in order to make a big paycheck and maintain the lifestyle that, you know, you've you've uh, created for yourself, then you got to kind of stop and, and think, is this really what I want? Are you seeing your kids grow up, et cetera? Um, you know, I'm happy to say that I'm at home three days a week. You know, I'm not, I'm not counting the weekend. I'm home five days a week. And I basically work two days a week, and I see my kids a lot. I have a one-year-old. I put her to sleep for her naps. I'm pretty happy to do that. Here's the thing. When you lose money doing something, you can always make it back. But when you lose time, it's gone forever. Very well said. So um, anyway, I uh, enjoyed the conversation, Said, Do you have any last uh, words of wisdom for our audience today? Uh, no more words of wisdom, but I'm, I'm really excited uh, to hear this show going forward because I think we're going to hear some some kind of some good stories of, of people who've either that mindset shift and it's it's nice to hear that you know it's you're not by yourself it's doable achievable and you know success breeds success if if you're if you're looking to grow look to other people who've done it absolutely yeah I think that's I think that's right I think uh, being in this part of the world the entrepreneurial world you 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 meet a lot of great interesting people who've who've really taken that leap and done stuff and you know and and so hopefully over the next you know again several weeks and months we're going to introduce you a lot of people who are you know like zed and some of them uh will even have potentially have opportunities for all of us to participate in um you know uh, real estate investors etc who've got opportunities for you know people like you and me i invest a lot in other people's deals um you know whether they're real estate deals or you know you know oil and gas deals or 
you know, energy, etc. You know, I think it'll be good for us to learn a lot about what everybody else is doing and, um, you know, hopefully start slowly but surely making, uh, making that, making the escape from the golden shackles. Uh, anyway, that's it for today with the uh, Wealth Formula Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.